put me on the endangered species list, much like those super intelligent gorillas. I'm Automatic Tigress. Who out there is a bad gorilla? Welcome to Super Nintendo Exploration Squad Away Team. Super Nintendo Exploration Squad Away Team is a next Gaiden podcast. The Gaiden of my Gaiden is my Gaijin. <clears throat> I'm Rudy. Your usual Snack Squad host, Vassal Kenya, has followed government protocols and self-isolated. We've explained to them that we record remotely over voice over IP and won't stop yelling about cryon waves. So, uh, you got me. I'm the guest host. Joining me today are... I'm, I'm here to kick ass and encourage the sexual jealousy of the gorilla to whom I've taught sign language and then put a robot harness on her <laughs> arm, which will read its sign language um, to the room to prove that a gorilla can speak. And then once I've established this, I'm just going to release my entire life's of, life of research back into the jungle immediately. Uh, that's how I do it, because I'm a scientist, um, and I'm all out of assets, shrug. I'm Automatic Tigress, and I have no idea how to follow that! <laughs> um, check out this cool diamond I put in my laser. I'm a bachelor, maker of the greatest game of all time, DDD to Natural Playboys. I have not left the house in about six weeks, and I really, really miss eating at a certain fast food establishment that was tied into Congo. I'm not giving out free plugs. No free plugs. What about free mugs? Free, delicious, tall Dr. Pe- oh, wait, I'm host. While on the normal cast, Kenya asks you to play a Super Nintendo game for an hour. On the away team, we play any bizarre game that catches our eye. And today, that game is Congo the Movie The Lost City of Zinge for the Sega Saturn. It was developed by Jumping Jack Software and Sega Away Team, and published by Sega of America. It was only released on Sega Saturn America, making it a single console, single continent exclusive. We will evaluate it using the four standardized metrics for scoring a video game, which are, of course, the cold open, the interview, the readings, and resolution. Now, I want to ask the uh, cast before we get into our categories, uh, about how long did you play Congo? Uh, what's, how, how much have you read the book? Have you watched the movie? Have you uh, read the, the book of the movie? You know, did you read the children's Congo version, which there, I'm sure it has to exist? I played the game today for a while. Definitely not an hour. I uh, sprinted face first down a lot of paths. I'm blasting a lot of uh, respawning animals in my face. I learned to jump over a ditch. I got some way into level three uh, before being beaten to death by gorillas that were not nearly as affected by my machine gun as they were by my shotgun. As it turns out, um, I went through a Crichton period around the release of Jurassic Park, uh, 
when I was a young lad. Uh, I would have been 10 in 93 when Jurassic Park was released. I did not go to many movies. I went to the library. I got Jurassic Park. 10 is probably a good age range to not be actually enraged by what's going on in a fucking Michael Crichton book. And I'm pretty sure I read Congo back then. I never saw Congo. I didn't actually see Congo until we all watched it together. I'm not letting go of Bush to Talk for some reason. I see that. I'm seeing Tigers, what about you? Michael Crichton <laughs> rising okay. before me. All six foot nine of him. Ghost. <laughs> I um I played this game for I think twenty to forty minutes. I wasn't keeping close tabs on it. I spent easily four times that amount watching the movie. Um I have never read the book. I have never read a single Michael Crichton book. I was always told growing up that he was so good with science and heavily researched everything, which is really funny to me now. And um, I got to say, I actually think I like the movie Congo more than Jurassic Park in most respects. I played this for a bit. It took me about uh, 40 minutes to get working. Then I beat the first level. Then it crashed. And then I just realized I had enough. But I, 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 I have seen Congo. I saw it the other night. I um, have read many of Michael Crichton's books. Uh, Rising Sun is the first R-rated movie I ever saw in the theater. And let me tell you, that left an impression. And also made me a staunch anti-racist. And, um, well, uh, it turns out for a long time I thought... Congo starred um, Sharon Stone and uh, Dustin Hoffman, but uh, it doesn't. It's that's another movie. That's Sphere, and uh, Congo is 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 actually. Uh, have we gotten to this yet? It, it, it's a it's a movie and a book and a video game about monkeys guarding diamonds, which is how one of my nephews described it when you know we were all growing up together. He's like, hey. It's Congo. I'm like, Congo? He's like, yeah, it's about monkeys guarding diamonds. And I made fun of him. I thought, no, it's about lasers. He's like, no, it's about monkeys guarding diamonds. And he was right. We were both right in the way. But, um, yeah, I played it. And I also played um another, another edition of Congo. Another digital version of the same tale. But maybe we'll talk. Do we talk about that later? Yeah. We'll talk about that later. And with that, we're going to go into the first category, which is the cold open. Here in the cold open, a you know, as we've done this on on the fifty episodes of the Super Nintendo Experience Squad podcast, uh, I'm going to ask you to tell me uh, what was your first impressions. How did the game strike you immediately? Um, you know, what 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 how, how did it, how did it see you? How are the opening cutscenes, title screen, first couple of levels? You know, how did you feel like controlling it? You know, er- everything that just like immediately pops out of you. How a um, how a YouTuber reviews a video game. 
That yeah, that's right. I'm putting everyone on blast. The first impression I got of Congo was. I'm sorry. Uh, the the movie. The first impression I got of Congo, the movie, the lost city of Zinge for the Sega Saturn, was watching somebody else play it. And usually, when I'm watching somebody else play a game on stream, I've already taken my nighttime drugs. And I'm looking mostly at my cat, and it's in a small window that I can barely make out any detail on. And this incredible fully 3D engine on the Sega Saturn, the greatest and most powerful fully 3D uh, workhorse of its day that you could have in your home. Uh, it was sort of like... Uh, if Van Gogh had had a, a Gulf of Mexico plantation period, just big old blotches of green and giant insects. I never had any idea what was happening. And then somebody died. So, um, my first impression, my first impression of this game. What's I, a video played, game? Uh, I'll tell you when you're older. Um, so I first played this game. I don't know, like a year ago, because I'm a, I'm an idiot, and um, I thought of it as like this really, like uh, th uh, this this is stupid and this sucks, and you're like on this like tiny path, and you're and the enemies can come from the walls, so it's like okay, well, this is completely unfair and stupid. Um, but, uh, the, the, uh, the cutscenes, the, the FMV is very high resolution. And I paid attention to that. I was like, whoa, that looks good. And this guy is just sort of talking to camera. And then, uh, and then, uh, you're in the jungle and you get attacked by spiders and it's very bad. I was conditioned by having just seen the movie. And the conventions of the genre in general, the opening cutscene man, plus all of the like signifiers, you see this guy and he uh, gets gradually more and more bloody as the equivalent of video diaries that are supposed to be going out via satellite link progress. Uh, his, his clothes are torn, he's bloody, he's uh, raving with fever. And I'm just, I mean, I saw Bruce Campbell die the other night. Certainly this guy is going to be dead soon. This can't be in the, the movie. person. Bruce Campbell in, died in, in the movie. In the movie, not in, in these times, Congo. We really do need to clarify that. Not in Congo, the movie, The Lost City of Zinj. Um, or in real life. But after this very lengthy, very lengthy uh, video experience uh you get the splash screen before the the level that says hey day one shit i have a fever and i need to uh get some medicine like i need to go back to the place where i crashed for some reason i left the medicine there and you're like holy shit i'm actually playing this guy in conclusion, better than Far Cry 2. 
Yeah, um, when I first started playing it, I went, holy shit, cool, this is a fucked up Saturn 3D engine, and I love fucked up Saturn 3D engines. Like, I just adore fucked up Sega Saturn 3D engines. Like, that console was not supposed to do 3D as every single time anyone, as comes up, every single fucking time anyone talks about the Sega Saturn. Hey, Tigers, have you heard the Saturn was an original? Yeah. <laughs> they uh, they kind of uh, retrofitted it to do 3D. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I don't know if you're aware, but <laughs> we'll talk about it later. Yeah, yeah. I'll yeah, have yeah. some links. So why the Sega Saturn didn't get a Sonic game? Anyway, Continue. I love I, I love fucked up Sega Saturn 3D engines because they always like latch on to different aspects of of 3D than other consoles 3d does and so and it usually looks kind of swimmy and kind of warped and this game just fucking leaned into that and when i first started playing it, i was like i guess this is kind of mediocre it's kind of whatever but but it very quickly started started um distorting its quads into my heart quad is a graphical term you can find out in every other discussion of the sega saturn you don't need to have us explain that to you again google what it. am i gonna do with this powerpoint i prepared <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah uh it, it's super swimmy and weird and and it was like these spiders look like weird and monstrous these chameleons look more weird and monstrous these snakes have two goddamn heads. Like, straight up have two heads. They're killer monkeys. And, yeah, the longer I, I played, it was just like, yeah, this is, this is weird. And, and very quickly, again, yes, very quickly, I, I started to grow fond uh, of this swimmy, distorted, weird nightmare game. Especially when it started to take advantage of its swimmy distorted weird nightmare aesthetics my first impression was the mini map kind of looked like i don't know colonoscopy which is actually isn't actually true it, it just kind of looks like poop kind of looks like you're winding your way through some poop it's um, like a big big old turd yeah and um you shoot a bunch of you shoot some uh spiders and uh Hmm. Hmm. So, how long did it take y'all to figure out like that that uh that warbly effect was was like a, a poison thing? Or, or oh yeah, you have malaria, malaria right? Yeah, yeah. That that's it. There. Thank you. Thank you. I thought my emulator was. I mean, my Sega Saturn. I thought its laser was weakening, and I was concerned for a bit. And I remembered in the opening, um, he does say he's not feeling well. I uh, immediately began thinking of. How elaborate should I make my argument that this was the clear antecedent for Far Cry 2 and better than Far Cry 2 in every way? And uh, decided that it wasn't really worth putting effort into. And I would instead watch interviews of Michael Crichton seeming like a serial killer. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, that effect is really cool, and they... they like they bring it back which is maybe like not the best but they also do different interpretations of it um it's either stage three or four where you are 
poisoned, theoretically by the giant snakes, and uh, occasionally your controls completely reverse. Which, along with the fact that that stage has far and away the most just distorted visual aspect to it, um, yeah, it, it was very much like, I feel like I'm sick. Like, I've heard games described as, like, a fever dream. This this one actually did. <laughs> like, literally felt like you had a fever. I feel like it is, for obvious technical and, like, for obvious, obvious technical reasons, the Sega Saturn was not an ideal place to make a extremely readable first-person action game set in a jungle, um, especially because they, decide with, they decided to go with... Uh, uh, there's lots of le leafy uh, objects that obscure your view. Um, and combined with it, kind of sludgy uh, gamepad controls like you would kind of expect from a excuse me, uh, mid-90s console FPS, uh, could be, in the long run, really kind of obnoxious, uh, plus all of the respawning enemies and blah, blah, blah. But at least in the early game, and at least in the way I played, which was I already knew from watching other people stream that uh, the enemies respawned, and I they do kindly offer you uh, a, a little line uh, on your mini-map that shows you everywhere that you have walked so you do not get confused by the extremely samey-looking uh, corridor graphics uh, and general visual noise. Uh, so that makes it a lot easier to navigate. You can, to a degree, just sort of keep running forward and shoot whatever gets in your face and then keep going um, until you get to your goal. And playing like that, it did sort of feel like a desperate person in a jungle where giant bugs just really fucking hate you. Like the, particularly stage three and four, which is probably the highlight of the game, especially from, from uh, skimming the one playthrough on YouTube, because the later levels are just like caves. Um, like there seems like there's a, it's like somewhat cool in concept, horrible in execution, uh, Egyptian theme level, which is like, okay, why, why is there an Egyptian theme level in Congo? Because every single first person shooter from this era is, has an Egyptian themed level, except for Power Slave, which is nothing but Egyptian themed levels. I mean, if it's an ancient, it's supposed to be an ancient lost city, so maybe it's, they had contact with the Egyptians. It's I mean, at least it's right continent, but that's also, like, what, 3,000 miles away? It's the Egyptian quarter, where the Egyptians came across the desert and plied their best head-shaving and wig-making wares. To be fair, it is supposed to be King Solomon, who wasn't even remotely related to Egypt, but you know. My point was, like, the highlight of sort of stage design is in this third and fourth stage, where you're actually going through jungles, and there's ruins to go to, and they're, they, they do, this also the level, like, the same level that they do a little bit of 3D by having, you go across a bridge, and also there's, like, a, a rapid water thing. 
And it's it's very interesting with this sort of jungle design that the typical rules of what is playable and what isn't playable are very much blurred, in, even though it's it's the game is very corridor heavy. But in those jungle sections, there are little platforms for you to get off to that are not marked by the mini-map. Um, and you're encouraged to do this because you need to get diamonds, which are the actual purpose of the game. Like you're supposed to be, according to uh, Congo the movie, the most recent contact I think any of us have had with the ostensible plot, this... Um, company is looking for diamonds which will be the next hot thing and it'll they can put it in their lasers but to do so they must raid an ancient civilization which is protected by super monkeys as you know happens so you're playing the last survivor from a side expedition and you're picking up and there's collectible diamonds that are spread sometimes obvious in obvious places sometimes not so obvious sometimes you kill uh tiki gods and they drop stuff sometimes uh whatever they're spread around and if you get all the diamonds you will be given bonuses at the start of the next level uh, according to the between the ending and opening uh, screen debrief. And deals. also the reward of Amy the Gorilla's smiling face and cheering you on after getting all of the diamonds. And not her disappointed scorn if you failed to give all of her corporate masters, her corporate overlords. Amy the Gorilla. Phrasing than master had... in this context. The gorilla Her employer? That, hmm. She's super intelligent. The gorilla that had nothing to do with any of that aspect of any the plot. Yes. In the movie. But but she's been hired by them in Congo the movie The Lost City of Zinch for Sega Saturn. Their new morale officer, Amy, the sign language gorilla. Just I silently mean, just judging you for your for your uh for your diamond collection abilities. But I, I was trying to figure this out, and this is obviously thinking too deep into a stupid game. But, um, so Travicom is an American corporation based out of Houston. We know that much. Um, but, uh, our, our player character, Caballo, um, is, 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 I'm, I'm trying to walk around this, this, the racism here because our podcast is not racist and we are against racism. Um, he he is played as somewhat of a native, but he but but it's talked of in terms of he is a he is a full time Travicom employee. Yeah, like he's hired by them. Like uh, corporations do, like hire people from from places they they try to exploit. It I do think that's a thing that happens. Yes, be... yes, but I'm saying that's not the impression I get. And the impression I get is is that he was sent he sent to. Uh, unspecified Congo jungle, which has oh. nothing to do with Congo. It, that, that's the person I get. He could be from, from like any other. He could be from anywhere on the absolutely gigantic continent of Africa. 
since all we know about him is that he is black and he has a uh, vague quasi-African accent when he speaks his all of his dialogue, which is entirely in English. He also probably has diarrhea. I mean, probably. You start the thing with malaria. He's, he's probably just drinking whatever water he finds, and there's giant mosquitoes everywhere. And jungle just seems to be like an assembly line of vicious predatory animals spawning endlessly, and all of them have to poop somewhere. So the bacterial situation in any brown groundwater that can be found, not great. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about giant, you're talking about man-sized chameleons, you're talking about uh, giant man-sized mosquitoes, you're talking about giant man-sized spiders, you're talking about giant uh, man-sized two-headed serpents. I mean, it, it is a wealth of uh, unknown an unseen uh, zoo, zoological, can't think of the right word, of, of fauna um, that would seem like uh, incredible discoveries for any for any corporation. But Traficom, they only care about them diamonds. They're just Moai's half, half. Sometimes they look kind of like Moai statues. Other times they don't. There's major and minor variations, but there's just head statues and pillars that shoot fireballs at you. Complicating things further, I found a copy of the manual. Sorry, it came with my legitimate copy of Congo, the movie, The Lost City of Saturn for Sega Saturn. It was hard to find in your collection of physical Saturn games. I mean, yes. the, the cases break so easily, you know, yeah. it's so easy to lose track of the manual. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I, I've, I saw your, I've seen your gamer wall in all your videos, Tigris. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, and according to the manual, they are voodoo totems. Oh, come on. Uh, yeah, that continental African thing, voodoo. Jumping Jack, come on. I'm glad you are not around anymore. Sometimes I think maybe the 90s was a problem. Sometimes I think maybe 2020 might be a problem. No, but this is I'm the probably best year wrong. of my life, definitely. Probably the best year for everyone. I'm definitely mistaken. I'm sorry. How many diamonds have you found in your life? We'll find out in our next segment, The Interview.
here in the interview, uh, like we've done on every episode of the podcast, and certainly not a new category we're trying for the first time, and it's probably going to be a failure. But that's not that's my fault, not the fault of my illustrious panel. Um, we're going to go around, and each of the panels is going to ask the rest of us a uh, a question about an open-ended or a direct question about the video game Congo, the movie The Lost City of Zinge for Sega Saturn. And I, I guess I will start here, since I got a question. Uh, at what point, if you were a Travis Com employee, uh, whose, uh, pl- whose helicopter had crashed in the jungle, and Travis Com was still like, you gotta get them diamonds, at what point would you say, fuck it? I, I, probably, uh, after the first crash. <laughs> I know how, how, like, I don't even know why they would have sent me in the first place. I uh, have base have serious medical issues, so yeah, it would depend. Do I have it? Do I have like the the? Uh, do I have the rescue balloon that's evident in uh, Congo the movie, and I don't believe it is in Congo the movie, The Lost City of Zinge for the Sega Saturn. Uh, but I'm not sure I haven't finished the whole game or anything. Um, if I can just leave in some way or another, I'd probably just leave. If I absolutely know that nobody's coming for me unless I dig for diamonds, then maybe I dig for diamonds. Maybe I'd send an extremely sad satellite message out saying everyone's going to know. You can't, you can't stop my message from getting out. You left me to die of an extremely high blood sugar, but then my message will not get out because it's nineteen ninety-five and it's using proprietary diamond technology. Yeah, killed by proprietary diamond satellites. Fucking Crichton. It's fucking John. I knew this is how I would go. Michael fucking Crichton was going to kill me. Bachelor, it's time for your uh, Travacom review. How are you a good Travacom employee? I'm a great one because I never give up. I never give up. I would keep going just out of spite. If they're not going to come get me, I I would win over those monkeys. You know? The endangered species in that jungle would be hate and fear because I would just bring them together. (laughs) I believe in love. That's one thing I've learned over the last few weeks. Is Congo the movie, The Lost City of Zinge for the Sega Saturn? The first first-person shooter to feature a protagonist of color and or the first one to feature a protagonist who likely has diarrhea. I got to say Green Dog for the Sega Genesis. That guy's got to have diarrhea, right? <laughs> That's where it's going to be. Sega. I don't know. I don't know what they're smoking at Sega, y'all, but <laughs> whoa. Like the cutscenes like, you know, like, I thought that wasn't me playing in the c- cutscenes, because 
he was likable, and I'm not used to that. I mean, still, you know, I mean, I like the Doom guy, right? But he's mad. He, you know, if he had diarrhea, he wouldn't tell you. Yes, uh, Kabbalah is one of the most likable first-person shooter protagonists from this era. Uh, I, I'm looking at a list of first-person shooters, and unless we count the ninja from a game where a ninja has to find all of Santa's reindeer, and I don't think we should count that. Yeah, Kabbalah is the first identifiable person of color. To be in any first, to be the protagonist of a first-person shooter that I can find, and even rarer to the, yeah, to this day that to have a person of color uh, protagonist, and I mean it, it is it does like set you up for the weird expectation because he's talking to the camera, he's, he, so theoretically he's talking to the player, and then uh, you are him. You're not you're not you're seeing it through a, you're seeing it through a screen too, so it's even more. Uh, vague that oh no that that's you and this is just like the last logs that they're just like reviewing the footage uh uh, caballo took until he got onto that balloon and he's just a fucking fat guy (laughs) yeah yeah he's just like some like it's never like completely clear i don't remember from watching the end if it specifies what he did on the expedition but he's just a guy obviously he has some expertise at something because he's on an expedition deep into the jungle to find a lost ancient lost civilization diamonds guarded by ancient lost civilization uh diamond guardian apes you know how it is but he just looks like a guy. He's just somebody that you would get off Craigslist. To, you know? <laughs> Craigslist Be in your indie game. Out. He's probably one of the programmers or something. And he is not. Oh, I, yeah, we, we can actually, actually talk know, about this. We actually know this. Oh, gosh. If you've watched a cop show in the last 30 years, he's probably been a, a guest actor on it. Yes, uh, his name is Stephen Anthony Jones, uh, and yes, he has played many, many cops. <laughs> and in this, yeah, he's just a. Uh, I think he do, he does a great job of just of of just he was shoved in front of a, what seems like like for the for a lot of the videos it just seems like a a blue screen, and then there's also footage of him delirious in the jungle. And then I, I'm kind of sad we don't get a we don't get like a revenge speech at the end. At the end, it's just like this lady reporter, also a person of color, uh, talking about how he uh, he bought Travicom, which is like which is such a hilarious, great way to end the end the game. And the opening, the inner cut, is like descent into fever nightmare with uh, footage from the movie of various gorillas and. Ancient, mysterious, lost city of Zinge, Diamond Guardian, gorillas, and a group of uh, locals that do a uh, a performance. A chant, yeah. if you a would. A chant. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, he never has to interact. He never interacts with anything. He just looks paranoid and spooked and like like a guy. 
There's no Duke Nukem here. Yeah, this is a more uh, narratively interesting and brave game than any marathon. More, more interesting <laughs> Doom clone. <laughs> I love is- to. I love to like get all worked up and mad about this, but I mean it's true. It's just one. It's there's nothing wrong with that statement. Frog blast my vent core, uh, Congo. You really did, Jason Jones. Jason Jones got owned by Congo the movie, The Lost City of Zen Free Sega Saturn. He probably doesn't even fucking know it. So this is just making me think. Well, we read a lot of reviews, even contemporary reviews, and watch watch several of them. Most of which didn't think that this was that great. I was trying to think about this in the context of like console original first-person shooters that were out in 1996, which admittedly is kind of a narrow category, but I was honestly trying to think about how this one was like, if it was actually significantly worse than any of those, like, how does this compare in the context to the concept of a first-person shooter in 96? This game was in development in parallel with Quake, right? Like, it is not before Quake. This is a thing that was alongside Quake at best, and they both came out seemingly about the same time. And that wasn't even for consoles. Like, Quake wouldn't run on a console for... Like, it took some time before anyone could do that. And even, like, Quake on Saturn is this weird hack job, brilliant hack job, where someone built a completely different 3D engine and redesigned all the levels so they'd be compatible with that 3D engine, which was far less capable than the actual Quake engine. Like, I think in the context of, like, 3D on a console in 1996, this game is a lot more impressive than even its contemporary reviews got. Like, how do we feel about where it fits in with the big picture of first-person shooters of this time? Well, the, like, overwhelming impression I got after... Obviously, I played until I died and did not... Did not uh, let it overstay its welcome with me. And if I had, I would have had the luxury of save states and the like. Um, But I felt like I was playing serious Sam with janky, like, 90s console FPS controls in a hallway. Because you have to shoot everything. Ideally... You need to keep moving all the time. It seemed to be the best idea. Like forward momentum so that you don't run into spawns. Um, absolute overwhelming waves of enemies because in some spots because, well, everything's respawning all of the time, which is an obvious way of like emulating strange uh giant iguanas that love to tongue you uh, running in and out of the fucking brush. Like, I don't think it's that bad. I don't think it's good. But I think if you I think if you could if you if it was possible to have more precise controls and a better frame rate I think it would not be nearly as poorly regarded. Now kick my ass, Ruby. No, no, no. I actually wanted to say, uh, I think on the, the, the uh, a couple of you have mentioned the 
the constant spawning. I think just the numbers are just extreme, and if you just sit there and expedi- uh, expel all ordings on my position, uh, the numbers will eventually diminish. But I think it's more like just the the, the there might be some, but also like. I don't know. It's weird. Like in some in some parts, there there might be spawn points, but in others, there is a finite number, especially on the levels that are very labyrinthian, and you keep doubling back. But as far as like, I think the game is is like really impressive for 1996. The controls are are really good. Like, uh, like forward and backward, and strafing are uh have a really good speed to them, and you have a 180 button, which is impressive. Like the only really slow part is. Like turning is just uh, is just uh, unbearably slow, but it's got the 180 button. Yeah, is this the first game with one of those? I didn't Let's say yes. Come out before this. I mean, if it Resident Evil One didn't have a 180 button, and it looks like they came out around the same time, but I mean, I'm going to say this is the Golden Eye Sega Saturn. Let's which... <laughs> pretend it, Power it, it is objective based. There, yeah, there we go. Like I, I, I beat the first level, and I don't know how I did it. I was getting my ass kicked by all these spiders, and all of a sudden the level ended. I must have landed on the thing I need to get, and it ended. And dang, and it's kind of weird to it, say this, but I have to admit I got bored of GoldenEye a lot faster than I got bored of this game, which isn't really saying much. I mean, GoldenEye is definitely. E- I'm trying to think of the proper word here, but it is easily more playable than this. Like yeah, like this, this 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 is this is very it, it is hostile, but especially with the distance of twenty five years, is hostile as a mood. It's interesting because I'm I'm I, it occurred to me why didn't I replay their previous game that probably used the same engine at uh, Genwar? It's interesting to look at Genwar, which has a much stabler look to it. Like the graphics of their previous game look less swimmy and less distorted. And some of the changes might be made to accommodate their, like, semi-transparent jungle effects. But it's also interesting because it creates a different atmosphere that, than the coldness of Genwar, which almost makes me wonder if that's in, that the swimminess is intentional. Like, the later levels are just, like, uh, are, are caves and, and, and ruin, and, like, or, like, uh, trying to think of prop- not quite ruins, but like labyrinths. So it has those hard walls, and uh, I think that actually would probably make it a weaker experience versus versus this extremely hostile jungle. Oh yeah, Genwar is interesting. Uh, just bringing up this game that only I played. Um, it's sort of like very agoraphobic compared to this because Genwar's whole deal is that you're in these big, wide open, cold alien landscapes. These people did seem like they knew had some inkling of building a mood because they definitely tried to build moods with the level design here. Like it's easy to start playing this game and get overwhelmed by tons of spiders and, and uh, the visual chaos of it and uh, go, yeah, it's muddy and I feel, and I'm turning sluggishly and, uh, whatever. It's a really early console FPS. Fuck this shit. It's it's garbage. Um, but I think, like contextually and diegetically, it actually works surprisingly well. 
And speaking of things that uh, contextually and diegetically just makes so much sense. There's an elevator in the first level. It's a soil elevator. It is, I hope everyone saw it. There's a diamond at the top of it. There's oh, an I, embankment that swells and withdraws back and forth over and over in a way that it's like there's a heartbeat in the earth. What's going on there? You've got some real throbbing ground in this game. Did either of you get to the earthquake level? Wherever I go, no. the ground shakes with pleasure. But um, no. <laughs> Uh, the earthquake level, I think it's level four or five. Um, you go through this, like the, all of the level geometry shimmies and distorts almost gelatinously at periodic points. And it propels you upwards into the air and bounces you around and changes the, uh, and changes the shape of the terrain. And you can actually use this to get secrets and progress through the level by the changing landscape, like moving in certain places when it's all shaking around. And it's not like the whole screen shakes. It's like the ground, like different areas of it are rising and falling differently. It's the actual level geometry, not just like a screen effect. So they're just prefiguring the geological, uh, geological, underpinnings are un, un, they're shaky look i think a drug's kicking in and i'm it's, not it's sorry. an incredible effect and like I, I i'm i'm super impressed by like how how do you like i don't know how how you like you couldn't do something like that now there's too much textures and and stuff but like those really early games like will do these these uh, polygon stretching that look that looks awesome. Like they didn't have to do that. They didn't, they just had to make like a boring doom clone, which is how like everyone sort of talks about this, but they, but like having the, having the, this earthquake effect, which is definitely, I think based off of what, what Tigris and I saw, that's definitely the high point is seeing this earthquake effect. Yeah. It's like exactly what I want to look for in early 3d because I love seeing stuff that is just, and it may, like it was like a graphical dead end, I guess. Like the way graphical technology worked was it would all get more and more and more standardized. So you can't write your engine to do this specialized weird shit anymore because it's a waste of time. Like from hmm. a commercial standpoint, like if you're, you know, making it only some game companies still like have in-house engines anymore. And most of those companies with in-house engines, like it's for a whole publisher. Like, I think, like, what's left? Like, probably CD Projekt, whatever CD Projekt Red's doing, and, like, Monolith's Leaf Tech? Like, everybody else uses Unreal or, or something by this, or what Frostbite. It, what it reminded me of uh, most immediately was uh, the effect of a very big explosion going off in uh, Myth, the Fallen Lords, or Myth Two, I know. I, mean, I know we've established that all Bungie games are garbage already on this particular episode, but oh well. Um, but it, which like similarly to what it looks like is going on in 
this this game though obviously uh one's an fps and one's a real-time tactics game um Holy you have a proprietary engine oh, sorry for interrupting yeah. this one the Bungie uses um, a proprietary engine too apparently what the fuck yeah um they both similarly have uh fully 3d terrain and then a bunch of object all of the objects are sprites but when you had something go boom in myth that was big enough the ground would ripple and distort and heave in a way that was pretty amazing at the time and it's not the sort of thing you see anymore except in specialized stuff uh, where chunks being taken out of the ground is the point or it's like a voxel thing but it was i obviously didn't get to the uh earthquake level you're talking about but seeing that like isolated effect there was really weird and striking and with that i think that'll take us out of the interview and into our third category which is going to be salad nope it's going to be the readings Here in the readings, we're going to talk about everything involved around the game, much much like a much like investigation or the blast zone. We're going to talk about the movie now, uh, the ephemera, the reviews at the time, everything that is not the game itself. Uh, so outside of talking about uh, Congo, the movie, the lost, the lost city of Zinj, uh, let's we can talk about let's talk about Congo, uh, the the Michael Crichton novel, the movie and uh everything involved with it so i want to preface this with the movie is super fucking problematic (laughs) like like every hollywood movie about africa it's got a lot of fucked up stuff and often treats very real geopolitical problems with a level of like just you know who who the fuck cares you know who cares who cares about that and that's very that's bad and that's not a thing I liked about it. But when it came to scenes where a lady grabbed a laser gun and started blowing up literal killer super intelligent apes and screaming, I'm going to put them on the endangered species list. A three-time Academy Award nominee, Laura Linney. When the, when the good gorilla gets a martini or smokes a cigarillo. These were incredibly enjoyable moments that I loved. It's worth noting that Crichton specifically wrote Congo as a throwback to uh, Lost World novels. Ha <laughs> the Lost World. Um Uh-oh. Oh, oh. Uh, he actually um, wrote before the Lost World books. Like, yeah, but it's a, re- a, ones, yeah. a reference to Lost World novels like yeah. uh, H. Ryder Hager's King Solomon's Mines. And or, that's you know, why... The Lost World by yeah, uh, but, 
Arthur Conan Doyle. But that's why they literally look for King Solomon's Mines, because he wants it to be a throwback uh, adventure story set on the Dark Continents, um, except he was writing it in like the late 70s. I got a copy of the book using means that I'm sure were completely legal and definitely paid the estate of Michael Crichton to definitely need money. Um, and I like went over the opening of it. Sadly, could not bring myself, convince myself that I needed to read an entire Michael Crichton book um, for this. But uh, there's an introduction, um, which uh, is a pseudo, uh, it treats what happens in the book as if it is as if it was a as if it actually happened as if it was a real expedition that is and the novel is an account of it which is a very common like victorian and early 20th century adventure fiction thing it is also uh, something that Crichton did several times throughout his career probably most notably in uh, eaters of the dead uh, in which he tried to do a big literary hoax um, and it was not convincing at all. But uh, the notable thing to me about it uh, talks about how uh, Africa is bigger than you think. And he talks a lot about Stanley, and eventually he uh, reaches the, uh, you know, Stanley Livingston. Stanley got financed by Leopold II of Belgium, who intended to acquire personally a large piece of Africa. It is not a question of Belgian colonies. Leopold wrote Stanley, it is a question of creating a new state as big as possible. The king, as a private person, wishes to possess properties in Africa. Belgium wants neither a colony nor territories. Mr. Stanley must therefore buy lands or get them conceded to him. Uh, this incredible plan was carried out by 1885. One American said that Leopold, quote, possesses the Congo just as Rockefeller possesses standard oil. The comparison was apt in more ways than one, for African, African exploration had become dominated by business. It has remained so to this day. Stanley would have approved the 1979 American expedition, which was conducted in secrecy with an emphasis on speed, but the differences would have astonished him. Um... So it's, he's posing it as a sort of, like, uh, this is just like Stanley's expedition for Leopold II of Belgium, uh, and it's notable that, like Leopold II's uh, hiring of Stanley, it is supposed to be entirely for economic reasons, in this case, of course, uh, the very serious business of getting ancient laser diamonds from... Uh, ancient apes in an ancient lost city. But um, to so, me, it's notable, and I'm kind of getting to the point, that, and I think this says a lot about, like, the attitude of the story and the attitude of Crichton uh, and, uh, like, colonial adventure fiction as a whole, which is the tradition that it's building on, that he talks about uh, Leopold II and the Congo and says, you know, economics and does not go into how the economics... Uh, 
Leopold II's economically driven colonialism led to one of the most atrocious and brutal colonialist states in the history of the world. Um, it's just like, hey, I'm going to tell a fun like fantasy text story uh, where they go on a fun adventure in Africa. And it's kind of an encapsulation to me of everything that's sort of fraught with the subject of the novel and like that Crichton as just uh, just some dude who who is extremely conservative writing this book kind of couldn't like yeah think of the human yeah. cost yeah like all of the human cost because like he probably didn't even like that he would not mention the terrible human cost that Leopold II's economic motivations led to. Wow. Okay. So you, you covered a lot of, a lot of stuff just now. Uh, um, I'll, 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 uh, I'll, uh, I'll take one tiny bit of that and then give it to another, give it to the, to the other, rest of the panel to discuss, like, um, uh, to talk about Rudy's childhood. That's me. Hi, I'm Rudy. Um, like, Anything that was like framed as uh, uh, the true stories or the real stories, I believed as reality, and I was frightened to read them. Like I didn't like the thought of like this 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 fantastical tale of being real. And uh, I specifically remember uh, reading Congo and it being framed in that terms. And I did, and you know, I didn't have a, an adult explain to me like, oh, that's just a literary device. You don't need to worry about it. That's only something I figured out many years later, and the book actually ends. Uh, it it it's it. I don't think they use a laser gun at the end. Uh, I believe that's a movie invention. They do get the diamonds and then they leave in the balloon um, while the volcano erupts, uh, and then like the end of the book is like a, a two page two like a two page um, news article about this about the volcano eruption and like, and you know, slyly implying like no one will ever find the lost city of Zinj cause it's been covered in lava now. Good thing about that volcano eruption. Anyways, uh, true story book over. The memory of the book that is bubbling to the top is lots and lots of, uh, space devoted to the, uh, laser fence that, is in the movie, but they'd never right. make a big deal out of it because he's just so excited about this laser fence that he made up. That's about the part of the movie where the movie just turns into aliens for 10 minutes. Wait, what? There's a part of the movie where it's like, wait, we just lost all these people to the super intelligent gorillas. So we need to build a perimeter with a laser fence. And also in addition to the laser fence, we have two autom computer automated turrets that look identical and come out of boxes that look identical and have the exact same sound effects or close enough to the sound effects as the automatic turrets from aliens which do exactly the same thing as the automatic turrets from aliens and a bunch of scenes that look like scenes from aliens and it just happens for like 10 minutes of the movie is just we're doing aliens but instead of uh xenomorphs it's super intelligent gorillas but that's the scene that was cut from the the theatrical cut of um this is this is welcome to the welcome to the cinema nerdcast. That's the scene that was cut from the theatrical cut of Aliens. Was was the was the ticking down 
uh, automatic rifles. Well, there's oh. it's there's b more of it in the director's cut or the longer cut. I've uh, never seen Aliens. The only R-rated movie I've ever seen is Rising Sun. That's appropriate. <laughs> Which reminds me, um, another I watched. Um, it's as good a place as any to drop. Uh, this that I watched a uh, obviously ripped from VHS uh, segment on Primetime Live from '93 of Diane Sawyer doing a segment of, uh, on Mr. Crichton, and uh, she says that she's talking about uh, Crichton's relationship with uh, Hollywood and uh, the movie watered down his book Rising Sun with its explosive plot, some called it racist, about the menace and challenge of the Japanese. So he quit the project. So just... Um, wow. Yeah. Menace and challenge. And then the, they cut to a scene in, in uh, the movie, no sound, just her talking over it, of uh, Wesley Snipes doing karate and uh, good old James Bond doing a judo throw. Right. <laughs> and, then, and then Michael Crichton saying, idiots, <laughs> idiots, real two plus two equals five idiots about Hollywood executives. I really want to point out that, uh, that the scene, that the scene might be a deleted scene in aliens, but that was on the laser disc in 1991. And this film came out in 1995. I'm pretty sure that it is in the original, but there is more of it in the extended version. There's like two guns in the extended version. And people went, hey, James, that's taken a really long time, dude. Maybe there's enough tension watching this happen once. People try to say stuff like that to me, and I say, fuck y'all. <laughs> but yeah, um, what about like the movie? Again, talking about Rudy's childhood, like I saw it about 5,000 times on HBO, usually the last 30 minutes. Um, but I, I clearly had no taste because I liked Michael Crichton novels and Tom Clancy novels and watched these, this and the pest on repeat on HBO in the afternoon after school. <laughs> the pest. And yeah, the pest. I, so much like those experience, I caught the last 30 minutes of our, our very legal group watch and I had a great time. I loved it. Um, it's it like, it's clearly, um, not good for culture. I guess it's not it's not good uh, morally for culture, but uh, I loved it. I loved uh, I loved the Cong I love Congo, the movie, Congo comma the movie, lowercase. Yeah, that's not the name. It's not for Sega Saturn. Um, I uh, I uh, here are my memories of Congo, going to a fast food restaurant that allegedly serves Mexican food and getting a Congo themed giant soda cup. And a digital watch for $5 and maybe wearing it ironically for a few weeks. Maybe I still own it somewhere. Um, as I mentioned earlier, spending years afterwards confusing this with Sphere. Um, <laughs> One has a ball from yeah. space. Right? The other has Amy Good Gorilla. Yeah. And uh, also I played, um, I was going to do a bit. 
That's right. Sometimes, sometimes I get a little mischievous, and I want to do a, a a bit, as we call it in the biz, where I uh, played, let's say, the prequel to Congo, this lost city of Zinge for Sega Saturn, um, titled Amazon by Tellarium Software, I believe, which is an interactive fiction game. Maybe it's got graphics, but it also has a text parser. But you don't actually navigate your character around the screen like in Roberta Williams' masterpiece King's Quest a totally different thing it's just got words and it's got pictures so maybe it's the first digital comic maybe Tolarian was ahead of the game i don't know i'll go back uh uh, sorry i was just um so it's like one of the later infocom games yeah but it's from 1984 and i think it's one of those things i'm just going off things i read on the digital antiquarian like five six ten years ago i don't know but i think they spent a lot of money for the time trying to make like Tellarium games. Like, I mean, they got Crichton and Crichton wasn't really that small fry by 1984, right? He had the Andromeda oh, yeah, strain, the, you know. Westworld. Yeah. yeah. The original Literally Westworld was made huge. Movies. Yeah, I bet he touched Yul Brenner at one point. That's pretty big time. You know, shook his hand or pat him on the back or rubbed his head Probably, for Probably, yeah. Just like walked up to him and rubbed his head and then he spent the next 10 years bitterly telling people that Yul Brenner didn't want him to rub his head and what the fuck was wrong with that guy. He just wanted to be friendly. And then, and maybe that's what inspired the plot to um, disclosure, disclosure, that very forward thinking novel and movie. Um, but yeah, um, I played the text adventure and uh, Hey, let me give you a dramatic recreation of my time spent with, that text adventure. Oh wait, I I only took um, screenshots of the bits that sounded dirty. Um, so <laughs> never asked, a more perfect bachelor. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was I was asked for my name and I I entered my birth name, which is Sex God, and um, here's what it says. Mm. Murphy continues to search. Sex God. Sex God. Here we are. He comes up with a sheet of paper, your hiring agreement. He studies it while you wait. It took about three minutes for all this text to scroll across the screen because it's kind of like a Phoenix Wright situation. They really want to build the tension with like, you know, each, each ellipsis getting filled in. Good. You've been briefed on all the possible dangers. He tosses the paper aside and leans over the desk. Scared, text prompt pops up. I type in yes. Murphy nods understandingly. So, sex god, we have lost the Amazon expedition, and everyone is dead. I'm sending you out to the Amazon to find out what went wrong. You leave tonight, okay? I I type, no, it's not okay. I don't consent to this. And Murphy says, I can't be bothered with you. He throws you out of his office and out of the game. The end. And that was my time with Amazon. You got a little let's play right there. That was like that was like a, an audio Twitch stream, am I right? I feel like it's worth noting that uh, the particular game is not named Congo because he, Mr. Crichton and some partners took it upon themselves to develop a game and like finish or mostly finish it uh, before Crichton discovered that he did not own the rights to publish or sell the rights to publish any longer 
a Congo game. He had sold the rights to publish a Congo game, so they had to swap the monkey for a parrot and change the title, which is the most perfectly Michael Crichton thing for, in my opinion, this like towering, hyper-focused, uh, autodidact who thinks he's smarter than everybody. Wait, 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 like, shrug, 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 shrug. Can't, can't he is home. Can't what? Home. Uh, what? Why are you doing social distancing? <laughs> yeah, well, I have my, I have my mask on. I have my, uh, yeah, big World War II gas mask and my uh, full body uh, latex suit. So I'm safe. I don't know. Did you say latex? <laughs> Boy, that's yeah. shiny. That's a really shiny suit you got there. But I, I only wanted to stop by because I... Hey, I, a good dom. <laughs> I just wanted to... I, <laughs> I prepared a statement for this, and then I have to go. But um, <laughs> so I just wanted to say I've never played Congo, and I never will play Congo, but I had two things to say about Congo the movie and Congo the book. Um, Congo the movie is my second favorite Sam Raimi movie after Spider-Man Enter the Spider-Verse. And it's my second favorite Stephen King book after the first Odd Thomas book. And I'm glad that dinosaurs are extinct because of this movie. Um, that's all I had to say. Bye. 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 Dang, can't believe we got fucking blown out of the water by Kenya like that. Jeez. That's it. I have to end the podcast. It's time for the final category, which is, of course... Wait, what is it? Oh, Revelation. There we go. Revelation, it's time for you to give your actual honest review of Congo. We're each going to get to do a monologue. Not like this episode hasn't been the movie? monologue we're heavy. The review of the movie Congo? Oh, I'm, I oh, thought we were talking oh, about so, the video so, game. Sorry, Tigress. I, I definitely misspoke. Uh, we're going to do a review of Congo, the movie Lost City's Edge for Sega Saturn. <laughs> As is only proper and right. Should I just take that again? I'll take that again. <laughs> I'm leaving it in. Um, here in uh, Revelation, I'm going to ask each of us to give a monologue and review of Congo, the movie The Lost City of Zinch for Sega Saturn, and rate <laughs> the video game Congo, the movie The Lost City of Zinch for Sega Saturn on a rating scale of what could be, if anything else, but one to five laser diamonds. I'm afraid I have to start with a reading. Day one, Houston, June 13th, 1979, one ERTS Houston. 10,000 miles away in the cold windowless main data room of the Earth Resources Technology Services Incorporation of Houston, Karen Ross sat hunched over a mug of coffee in front of a computer terminal, reviewing the latest Landsat images from 
Africa Ross was the ERTS Congo project supervisor and as she manipulated the satellite images in artificial contrast colors, blue and purple and green, she glanced at her wristwash. Wristwash? She washed her wristwatch impatiently. She was waiting for the next field transmission from Africa. It was now 10.15 p.m. Eastern time, but there was no indication of time or place in the room. Day or night, the main data facility of ERTS remained the same. Beneath banks of special Kalon fluorescent, fluorescent lights, programming crews in sweaters worked at long rows of quietly clicking computer terminals providing real-time inputs to the field parties that ERTS maintained around the world. This timeless quality was understood to be necessary for the computers which required a constant temperature of 60 degrees, dedicated electrical lines, special color-corrected lights that did not interfere with circuitry. It was an environment made for machines. The needs of people were secondary. But there is another rationale for the main facility design. ERTS wanted programmers in Houston to identified, identify with the field parties and, if possible, to live on their schedules. I can't keep going. If you Michael had to Crichton, review. Michael Crichton was sadly did not live long enough to become an extremely problematic and anger-inducing Twitter pundit. While he was alive, he was a man who was extremely proud of knowing what a telecommunication satellite was a couple of weeks before your dad got to that particular issue of popular science. He wanted everyone to know in every, every single goddamn book he wrote. None of the words in Congo, the movie, The Lost City of Zinge were written by Michael Crichton. And I got beaten to death by a gorilla. However, Laura Linney does not shoot any giant albino apes with a laser in it. So it has to be number two in the cross-media franchise that is uh, the Congo universe. So it gets from me two Lost City Diamonds. Lost City Fan Fiction Diamonds out of uh, five. This this is a game that I pretty much like as an aesthetic object. And as an aesthetic object, it's a hell of a thing. Like, it, it's what I want when I boot up a weird Sega Saturn game. Like, I want, this is what I want. Like, if I don't know, it's like weird exotic 3D graphics engine. Um completely absolutely nothing like a contemporary graphics engine uh fmv cutscenes used completely at random uh giant flying heads mate that that are shooting arrows at me i i thought this game was was just fantastic i thought this game as this aesthetic object was superb although it is not a superb as power slave. So it gets three di laser diamonds out of five. Topo will be happy. I'm saying even with my reservations about power slave on Sega Saturn that you should play it. Cause it's a surprisingly good, 
weird ass game where you play a modern dude who was given a laser by Egyptian gods or something. I don't know what the premise is. It looks like it. I think it's literally a ripoff of an album cover. Play that too, but play this. Iron Three Maiden. Laser diamonds. Iron Maiden. Iron Maiden's power slip. Yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah. It is literally just the album cover for that turned into a game, and I do not believe it is officially licensed. It's not. Yeah, as far it's as great. Um, but yeah, Dave uh, Halverson loved it. But yeah, um, you should. Pl- but yeah, this is three diamonds to the five laser diamonds of Power Slave. But if you're an aficionado of weird Sega Saturn 3D, you gotta you gotta play this. All right, I'm giving it a two out of five. You know, you know what number two stands for? That's a pee pee poo poo, or maybe just the latter. But um, yeah, I'm giving it a two because as a 180, because you have diarrhea. Because I really like the guy who you play as, and I like when the ground went up and down. Um, and I did enjoy the movie. I liked watching the movie mostly because I liked seeing um, Ernie Hudson, and I liked seeing Tim Curry, and everything else about it wasn't that good. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. Joey Pants was fun, too. What a movie. Wow, I'm really glad I watched it for only an hour and then went to the bathroom and didn't come back for like 45 minutes. Two out of five. I also really enjoyed the movie. Um, And before I give my review, we actually have a late edition. Of course, on this next squad, away team. Always have a late edition on our cast. And tonight, it's closed. And closed, you get to say, we've had plenty of long monologues in this episode. This is a monologue-heavy episode. You can say all your thoughts about Congo, the movie, Lost City of Zinch, which is its full title, just to make it certain. we, We won't stand if you say anything short of Congo, the movie, The Lost City of Zinj. Okay, my thoughts on Congo, the movie, The Lost City of uh, Zinj is that uh, it's kind of like the Doom like equivalent of like a bad D&D game. Uh, there's like a lot of sort of ideas and like design in it, but they're almost all like at the expense of the player. It feels like the enemies have like AI and like things that they're doing, but uh, it's not in a way that's necessarily fun to fun or enjoyable. It's more or less like a bunch of weird jerks hiding in the jungle, like taking pot shots at you. I liked how there's like just all sorts of weird little secrets and stuff like hidden off the main path. Um, I didn't like that it's just totally unintelligible how to like recognize that they're there and like whether they're actually like worth getting to um i thought the the way that the gun aims at you know something that aims at what you're targeting i guess was a decent way to handle the fact that it's half the time impossible to see like what where an enemy is or if they're just like rushing across the screen to go somewhere else to to turn around and then hit you from behind I guess I would give it like two laser diamonds out of five, but I'm pretty certain that the other three laser diamonds are like out there. I just don't quite know how to get to them yet. Always appreciate a thoughtful closed review. Hi again, it's Rudy, the ho- the guest host, and I'm going to uh, review Congo, the movie The Lost City of Zinge for Sega Saturn right now. I was the one that uh, brought this uh, game to our to our collective attention. Um, it allowed us to watch. Congo, and I think we all had a great time with that, so that definitely boosted up. 
and we're also removed from 1996, uh, where this game cost $60 and would be, theoretically, the one video game you buy for a while. Um, we're able to dip in and dip out uh, in this modern era, legally, uh, with our real Sega Saturns and real hardware. And are having $150 to buy a copy of it now. Oh, yes, yes, of course, to have $150 to buy a real copy of it right now. And the the reviews at the time uh, describe it as Doom Clone. Uh, uh, Close just described it as Doom Clone. Um, but uh, Doom doesn't have terror deformation and maybe rightly doesn't have enemies coming out of what the quote-unquote walls are. Um, Doom also has better enemies and uh, uh, a straight-fire gun. Uh, I'm glad Close brought up like the, the hand movement of of the of the uh, player character to shoot stuff, and it has, and like the only two visible speaking roles are of uh, people of color, um, and we haven't mentioned this yet. So here in my review, I'll say, at the end of the game, you get on the balloon, you get out, and then you, and then you with your with with all the diamonds have collected that you were getting for Travicom, uh, buy Travicom. You buy the company that had made you toil and sweat, um, which does, of course, uh, extend a, uh, a thought of uh, capitalism and colonialism view. But uh, the the whole game is kind of commentary on that of 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 the of the player protagonist of of Caballo suffering under uh, the system. And then, uh, and then he got his due. He bought Travicom. I mean, in the movie, it's the guy that hated Rambo in the first Rambo movie. He wants those diamonds so bad that he doesn't care that his son died. And then at the end, uh, Laura Lenny just throws that diamond away. So that obviously, that's one diamond off. That diamond's gone. And it, and also that at, at the end of the game, it does like sort of, uh, nice little diegetic things that you would see in indie games. Uh, in the last decade, like the listing, the listed diamonds are 18, but you, you find 30 and, uh, I got a lot of joy out of this game. It, it made me, it made me laugh a lot. Uh, and all the effects are cool. And I, I like that close described it as, uh, as maybe, uh, active as, as like fighting the player or fighting the player's enjoyment. Um, I'm going to give it four out of five diamonds. Uh, Sorry. <gasps> Whoa. Yes. I'm four not out of five, highest? Four to five, four to five, la- four to five laser diamonds. Wow. Um, You're I had a great totally time blowing up the Metacritic. Because uh, you can't describe it in terms of a Doom clone. It is so much more interesting than a lot of games that are just like a Doom clone. Especially uh, this is being a console game versus a uh, PC game, like a Blood or a Sin or whatever. Those, all those. Those are... You 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 could describe those as Doom clones. This is not quite a Doom clone. It does. It's got platforming. It's got terrain deformation. It's got a. Uh, it's got a, a diegetic secrets. The secrets are just a, a hidden path in the jungle, or uh, jumping up on a on a on a on a on a on a uh, jumping up on a jump up on a ledge, uh, thanks to an earthquake. Um, Later game looks like it's awful, and you go to Egyptian level, and it's like, okay, what's the deal with that? Anyways, four to five diamonds, and then I talk again, I guess, because I'm the host. 
Is that how this works? Yes. Thank you for listening to the Super Nintendo Exploration Squad Away Team. Uh, so we just say Super Nintendo Exploration Away Team? Is that, is that a better name? Sweat? Snyat? Snyat? Sorry, I spaced because it's a, it's an away team cast, and what would an away team cast be if I didn't start spacing the fuck out at the end? Yes, as you know, we've done six of these away team casts. It's always been called the away team cast. But my lovely panel that's been here today, outside of our 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 Lord and Savior Kania, uh, how can we find you? More of you, and where of it? Hey, it's me, I'm Shrug, and I'm still all out of ass. Call, call back to... Um, I'm on the forums as Shrug. I'm on Twitter at Shrugopolis. Uh, I'm on the other deals on this particular podcast feed with whatever regularity they come out. Usually, I'm on... Uh, no Rangers Allowed being a dwarf who shares my penchant for swerving off into extremely serious uh, drill downs and specific things, I guess. Uh, I can't escape myself, even in a lush, rich fantasy world. Oh, oh well, baby tabletop games on itch.io slash shrug or nub.zone I think that's everything um, I'm beginning to wonder about this colonialism thing but I have to I'm Tigress <laughs> you can find me on this feed on Snake Exploration Squad you can hear me hosting episodes of the book of Mega Drive which is a podcast that is unlike Snake Exploration Squad is about Sega things so yeah, not really sure what we're doing with the branding here with this particular episode. If you like listening to this Sega thing, you should listen to the other Sega things on the feed that I host. Uh, that I specifically started recording earlier because I didn't want to be falling asleep by the end. Uh, if you, you can find me on Twitter at Automatic Tiger, and you can find the Book of Mega Drive on Twitter as at Book of Mega Drive. And, um, yeah, that's where you can find all that stuff and you can hear cool updates about Book of Mega Drive and you can see what appears to be an incredibly long discussion of Sonic 1 that I made two posts in, but is, I'm getting every at for right now on my Twitter. It's, it's wild. Getting, it's getting really long. <laughs> Hi, this is Closed. You can find me on these podcasts when I uh, actually don't show up at the extreme end of them. Uh, other than that, you can, I guess, follow me on Twitter at False City. I'm a Bachelor. I'm on Twitter at BachelorSoft. On Instagram at BachelorSoft, you can find my webpage at uh, BachelorSoft.com. You can find me on the SelectButton.net forums, making the best posts. No, no, not, you know, everyone else is making best posts too, but I'm making the best posts I can make. Um, and yeah. Oh yeah, patreon.com slash batchersoft. I think, I think, and onlyfans.com slash batchersoft. And I've been your guest host, Rudy. Hi, it's me again, Rudy. Use that joke five times now. Uh, you can find me out there on the internet 
That's all I gotta say. Uh, Twitter's at is at Tokyo Rude. Have fun out there. And of course, bam, 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 bam. It's not. Uh, what did I have here? I had something funny here. Oh, it's not Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six. It's not Douglas Adams' Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. It's not excellent. It's not Metro 2033. It's not Stalker, which is, in fact, technically based on a book, albeit very loosely. And probably not officially. I was really hoping you were going to say it was based on Tonga. <laughs> when it's based more on the book than it is on the movie, I guess. Are you fair? It's not Michael Crichton's Congo. It's it's not Jeffrey Hudson's A Case of Need. It's not Frederick Pohl's Gateway. It's not a true video game as Art Bioshock 2. It's not Chuck Rock. I can't believe I didn't get to use this line, but it's still recording, so I have to use it here. The gorilla hunt is not worth the price of zoo admission. Decent bongo music and nice background effects capture the flavor of the Amazon. However, you can't hear your enemies approach. A fatal flaw. Would you like another take? Um, give, give me a control. Give me a control. Navigating in the open is fairly easy, but you get mired in many areas. A poison temporarily reverses your directionals, a gimmick that gets annoying fast. Okay, I want you to try the sound again, but you have to do it in a horrible accent, and it can only be a white person accent because we're not racist. We're against racism on this podcast. That is true. Okay, I'm going to try this. I've never done this before, and I'm going to fuck it up. Decent bongo music and nice background effects capture the flavor of the Amazon. However, you can't hear your enemies approach. A fatal flaw. That's a, that really did like 1996 PC RPG energy. <laughs> also, this review is written by Tommy Glide, which is a very gay porn name, isn't it? <laughs> I say! Congo takes the excitement, emotion, and intensity out of the jungle. As a first-person shooter, it fails to absorb the gamer, making the Amazon a boring place. You reckon uh, Congo tries to cash in on this Doom-style game craze, but instead of blood-crazed demons, you're attacked by cartoony spiders, puppy dog wizards, and giant rubber monkey dolls. You can't lose unless you don't enter. Try leaving the trail frequently! Hidden areas with power-ups are everywhere! How many of you like to send signals with diamonds? <laughs> See, now I'm doing quietly. I'm just gonna do this. I'm just gonna try it. I'm gonna try it. You know? We, we, it's okay to fail. Decent bongo music and nice background effects capture the flavor of the Amazon. 
However, you can't hear your enemies approach. A fatal flaw. And so I think that was Dusty Rhodes mixed with P uh, Paul Stanley. And not really hitting either, but it was something. I see some of you have Valeria! <laughs> As always, thank you to Schnabubula for letting us use his incredible song Playing Super Mario World While Taking Mushrooms for our theme song. Also, thanks to Bachelor for the amazing cover art that we have. Check him out at BachelorSoft on Twitter. And thanks to you for listening. <laughs>